Amen, amen. Hey, if you would, get a Bible in front of you to Exodus chapter 14. And if you don't have a Bible, just grab one out of a seat back in front of you. We would love for you to see God's Word as we study it together. Uh, as you uh, get your Bibles settled to that place, let me just uh, remind, uh, let me break down for us the premise of a game I'm sure we all played as a kid called Follow the Leader. So the, the, the premise of follow the leader, which we all know, is someone takes the first position, everyone else falls in line behind the leader, and we follow the leader wherever they may go, dee-dum, dee-dee, dee-diddly-dum, dee-dum, right? You play it as a kid, right? Anyone play it as a kid? Pretty basic game. I, I bring that up because um, the, the, the premise of the Christian life is not all that much uh, more complicated than that. Uh, we are following our Lord wherever He may lead us. Now, notice I said it's not much more complicated. I didn't say it's easy. Um, it's not easy because all of us uh, live this life um, uh, hindered by sin. And so as the Lord is leading and as the Lord is guiding, uh, we can take detours away from the path He's guiding in because at times we think we know a better way. Um, it, it's not easy because at times we get weighed down with doubts and we begin to doubt whether the Lord is leading us in the best path. So we just stop following him in the areas he's leading. And then at times life in this broken world can just get heavy and we just get drained and it feels like we're, we're bearing all sorts of burdens that really weigh us down and just following after the Lord. But, but, I, but I, I, want, I hope today is a continuation of a theme we began last week. And, and that is really just to build a resolve that we have a God who desires to lead us. His presence is guiding us. For everyone in this room who has put faith in Jesus Christ and has the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you, you are not left to yourself to wander wondering what to do. God is leading we see that especially so in this part of the, the study of Exodus that we're in right now. Uh, remember in the very first week as we began to study Exodus, I said really the big idea of Exodus is this right here. God delivers his people from Egypt to dwell with them as they worship him. The first uh, 18 chapters of the book of Exodus is really the story of his deliverance and him leading his people out. And then the second part of the book of Exodus that we'll make our way to is, is God putting things in place to teach his people how they are to live in worship of him as he dwells with them as his God. But we are in, we're in the heat of the battle right now. We're in some climactic moments of the story of Exodus as we watch God show up in good, powerful, and mighty ways to deliver his people fully and finally out of Egyptian bondage. And the big idea I want us to walk out of with today is just this simple statement right here. God will lead us. God will lead us. Now, hear me. I know that there's not much profound for you in that. But, but, but I do want you to understand there is something powerful in that reality today. And so as we make our way through Exodus chapter 14 and then into a song of Exodus 15, um, I, we are going to find today six, what I'm calling six faith-growing truths of God's leading in our lives. And I know all of us that gather in the room here today, you need the Lord to lead you in some ways. Some of you feel that very intensely, 
over some situations of life. Others of you, we gather here today and maybe the intensity of that isn't as high, but all of us need to know how the Lord is leading. And so six faith-growing truths of God's leading. Let me pray and then let's let the word of God speak. Father, I do pray right now. Well, Lord, let me say it like this. What we don't need is just a good talk. Lord, what we don't need is to be entertained. Lord, what we don't need is a lot of things. What we do need is your word. Our hearts need to feast on it. Lord, we need to hear it clearly. We need to understand it. We need your spirit to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And so, God, please, would you hold up your word for us that we would hear and know and obey. And I pray this in the power of the name of your mighty son, Jesus. Amen. Let me give you the first of these six faith-growing truths of God's leading. The first one, and this is the headliner. It's the headliner over all of them. It's this. God will lead in the way that brings him glory. Let me show you what he does here as we get into Exodus 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel, and I need some help here reading it. Tell the people of Israel to what? To turn back. Tell the people of Israel to turn back and what? And encamp. Okay, so let me ask you a question. I don't know if you're like me, but if I'm fleeing a group of people who've been oppressing my people for generations, the last two command words I want to hear are turn back and encamp. You with me? I want to hear keep running and run fast, right? But the Lord says, turn back and encamp, turn back and encamp in front of Pi Haharoth between Migdal and the sea in front of Baal Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in, and I, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh. What's God going to get? He's going to get glory. I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed towards the people. And they said, what is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly or confidently, boldly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them encamped at the sea by Pi Haharoth in front of Baal Zephon. Now, think about this. The Lord, as I've already noted, has told the people here, I want you to turn back and I want you to encamp. And where, where are they to set up camp? By what? By what geographic feature? By the sea. 
And, and, and the Lord knows something, even though that, that would be counterintuitive to us, we would want to keep going and not camp. The Lord has already led them, as we saw last week, in some counterintuitive ways by not taking them down the most direct route, but taking them around an area that he thought would have led them to war and turned them back to Egypt. So the Lord's not taken them in the most direct route. Now the Lord has tell, told them to turn back and encamp. And the purpose of him doing that is what? He says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. That's a repeated phrase we've seen all throughout the book of Exodus. We saw it again and again as God brought all of these plagues. But the hardening of Pharaoh's heart is always accompanied with this statement of purpose that he will what? That I will get, that I'll get glory, that I'll get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. The Lord is leading them in a way where he is going to get glory. The Lord is camping them next to a sea for him to show off his glorious might. Now, I, I, before I continue in the story, I just want to camp out on this, and I just want to give us some reminders. Do we, do we remember together that the purpose of our life is for the glory of God? The very, the very reason we are up again today is that God would be glorified in our lives and through our lives. What that means is as God is leading our lives, he is going to lead us in the way that brings him maximum glory. God leading for the purpose of his glory does not make him some, some, some mega e egomaniac. It is good and right for a holy God to be all about his glory. It is good for him. And so what that means for our lives is that as God is leading us, he is going to lead us in the way that brings him ultimate glory. And when we follow him in the way that brings him ultimate glory, it is for the ultimate good of his sons and daughters. Do you believe that? But what it can mean is you got to walk down humble path. You got to walk down at times hard paths. You got to walk down counterintuitive paths that you might not otherwise have chosen. You got to take the long road sometimes because that's the way God's leading for his glory. And so I start with this of the first of these faith growing truths that God is always going to lead in the way that brings him glory. And he is good to lead that way. Now, I want us to see in the story, sometimes when God leads in the way of his glory, it can bring his people into what feels like dire circumstances. Look at what we see in verse 10. It says, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they, what's your Bible say? And they what? They feared greatly and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now, there's sometimes when you're reading your Bible that, that it is hard to capture the emotion that we have here on ink and page. But when it says here that the people of God feared greatly, we have to understand the absolute terror of this moment. So imagine what we've already noted. They're camped next to the sea here. They're, they're hemmed in on one side by a body of water. And now be, as they look behind them, 
Bearing down on them is an army, an army of their oppressors who've oppressed them for generations and generations and generations. Just when they thought they were out of Egypt, never to see the Egyptians again, here comes Pharaoh's army bearing down on them, and they feared greatly. And now look at what they say, verse 11. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been, look at what they say now, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Overcome with fear, they now point the finger at Moses and say, look at what you've done. Sure, life was awful in Egypt, but you've led us to wander in the wilderness, to die, to be slaughtered without graves. And they point the finger at Moses. But look at what Moses says back to them. Verse 13, and Moses said to the people, first two words, and Moses said to the people, Fear not. Next two words. Stand firm. firm And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. Who's going to work this salvation for them? The Lord is. Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord that he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. And now a fairly, fairly popular verse coming next in verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Or some translations say you have only to be still. Second of these six faith-growing truths of God's leading is this. God will lead in dire straits. We need only to be still. Now, do you believe that? Yes. Do you struggle like me to functionally live like that when life brings you to dire straits? To be still? And to let the Lord work. Can I acknowledge with us that to be still and allow the Lord to work is something that we love when we're sitting in church and we love when we're doing our morning and evening devotions. But there's a tension to this, is there not? And the tension is, how do we know when we are to be still and let the Lord do what the Lord's going to do? And how do we know when we are to stand up and move forward and follow him by faith? Because let me give you a little spoiler. The very next uh, point in my sermon is to move forward and follow God in faith. So even in back-to-back points of the sermon, we feel the tension of that. How do you know when you are to be still and let the Lord do your bidding for you? Let the Lord fight on your behalf. I don't have the full answer to that, but what I do want us to notice from the scriptures is um, in this paragraph, what is the prevailing emotion in the heart of the Israelites? What is it? 
When we are overcome by fear, I do know this, we are to sit and wait and let the Lord fight on our behalf. Some of my worst decisions in life have been the decisions motivated to act out of fear. Anyone with me? What you find is when the, when the Israelites are overwhelmed by fear, Moses says, fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord, you, be, you only be still, let God do this. And I would say to you, some of us in the room here today, with some circumstances in your life where you need the Lord to break through, where you need his leading, where you're asking him, some of you have tried everything. Some of you are, are frantically searching to do something, anything. Keep saying something. Keep saying anything. Some of you need to hear this point and this point alone today. You, stop. Be still. Let the Lord do what only the Lord can do. Where do you need that for your family today? A specific son or a specific daughter? You've done everything. You've said everything. You have every single thing that the Lord has laid out as good, wise. You've done it all. Where today do you just go, Lord, I'll be still. I'll let you do what only you can do. Where do you need that in direction for your future? Where do you need that financially? Where do you need that relationally? Where do you, where do you need that? That God will lead in dire times, in dire straits, in dire circumstances. We need only to be still. So there's a time <clears throat> to be reminded that we need only to be still and let the Lord do what only the Lord can do. And then there's a time to hear and heed that the Lord will call us forward by faith. Third of these six faith-growing truths of God's leading is this. God will lead us forward by faith. Now, when I say he'll lead forward by faith, before I show us where I get this in the story, uh, let's define what I mean by faith, because faith can be pretty generic. Scripture defines it for us, and Scripture says faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the certainty or confidence of things not yet seen. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about believing and following the leading of the Lord. It's an assurance that God will do what He says He will do, even when we can't see it. So now, look at what God calls them to by faith. Verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go, to go what? Forward. Now, can I remind us of their view of what forward looks like? So it's, right, we study the Bible with the advantage of already knowing how the whole Red Sea thing goes. In this moment, when the Lord speaks to Moses and says, why are you crying to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. They hear that not from the advantage we do of knowing how the rest of the story goes. How do you move forward by faith into that? 
The Lord says, verse 16, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I, here it is again, and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen, the Lord calls them forward into the sea by faith. And the Lord instructs Moses how he is going to make a highway right through the middle of the Red Sea. Forward by faith. Now, we are a people of faith, are we not? We're a people saved by faith. So let me just, let's worship over the gospel here for a moment. The gospel reminds us, the gospel proclaims, announces to us this good news that a loving creator God has sent his son to the cross who died in our stead, who died on our behalf because of our sin. Our sin had separated us from God. Jesus is the remedy for that separation. He dies on the cross for our sin. And now he, uh, we are invited into relationship with Jesus by the grace of God through faith. The moment we believe we are in Christ, made right again with a holy and perfect God. So we're a people saved by faith. And because we're a people saved by faith, we're also a people who are called to live by faith. We follow God by faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the certainty of things not yet seen. That's Hebrews 11.1. And in the rest of that chapter, you have an unpacking of what's often called the hall of faith. By faith, Abraham, dot, dot, dot. By faith, Noah, dot, dot, dot. By faith, Moses, dot, dot, dot. We too are to follow our God by faith. That is hard for us at times. We are a people who love, love having everything laid out for us. Love, love knowing if, if, if option A doesn't work, there's B and there's C. And, 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 and I'm not saying that walking by faith and good planning are opposites or antithetical. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is sometimes we move forward following the Lord before we all have the clear path of what all it looks like. And God is calling some of you forward by faith today. God is calling some of us, and I'll put myself in this category. Why do, you, why do you cry to me? Get up, move forward. Yeah, yeah, but I, I can't, I don't know how all that yet, by faith. Yeah, but that, man, that could be really uncomfortable. Yes, by faith. We follow the Lord by faith. And so God calls them forward, but as God calls them forward by faith, there is this reality that what they're walking into is a sea, and what is behind them is an army. From a human standpoint, this seems like a very intense situation. And so the fourth of these six faith-growing truths of God's leading is this, God will lead us while protecting us. God will lead us while protecting us. Look at the protecting presence of God here, verse 19. 
Then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. And so just if you would visualize that scene, that the angel of the Lord and this pillar and cloud that's been out in front, leading the way, guiding them wherever they're going, now moves behind, takes the position of, of, of rear guard. And in doing so, you now have uh, the, the very shielding presence of God that is separating the Israelites from the Egyptians. And all night long, you have the presence of God who is guarding his people and lighting up the night. As God leads us, He is our shielding presence who also protects us. But now, how should we understand this protection of God? Let me illustrate it by asking a question about the life of the Apostle Paul. Do we agree in here today that Paul was called by God, led by God into his missionary journeys? Do we agree with that? The church in Antioch is worshiping and fasting, and the Spirit says, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to. God had called them to that. Do you believe that God, as Paul is going on his missionary journeys, that God's protecting presence is with Paul? Do we? Do we believe that? Have we read about Paul's missionary journeys? We, we believe that, right? And we also understand that as Paul walked into a city and preached the gospel, he was often uh, unimaginably beaten for the proclamation of that gospel. And then he would get back up and the Lord would lead him to another city in which, he would be, which pain would be inflicted on him again. I bring up Paul's life because I want us to have maybe what I'll call a biblical understanding of when I say God will protect us, what that can mean and what that, what that sometimes doesn't mean. We know that God, and we've heard the stories and we've seen it again and again, that God will intervene on this earth actively in supernatural ways to protect his people, will he not? And we rejoice over those. And we also know that at times God will call people and lead people who will follow him and it will cost them pain, trial, hardship, or even their life. And, and, it's, and at times we watch this and we go, how does that work? I've read the stories of God's supernatural protection of missionaries all over the world. And then I've also read the story of the guy who sells everything, moves his young family from northern Indiana to Africa, and within three weeks, the car he's in driving down the road, a stray bullet comes in and kills him. How do we understand that? Here's how I would like us to understand that. That as God leads us, we do believe his protection is active on earth, but we, we know his protection is ultimate in eternity. So, I don't mean that as a cop-out at all. I actually, I actually mean, as followers of Jesus, we fundamentally, functionally, and actually believe to follow his leading, even should it cost me my life, the day I die on this earth, I'm more alive than ever. 
It, that mindset or heart set, I'll call it, drove the early church. And so when we understand that as God leads us, he's protecting us, we as a people in faith, with faith in Jesus Christ have the ultimate protection of eternal life in his presence. How would that shape the way we follow? How could that shape the way you follow? And so God leads forward by faith, but as God leads us, he, we also see that he's a protecting God. His presence is going with us to protect. But then this fifth thing, and this is the, kind of the climactic moment of the story here, God will lead us by doing what only he can do. God will lead us by doing what only he can do. And what is, what is the thing that only he could do? Verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land. And the waters divide, were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. The waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left hand. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning, and in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians." Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained." But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus, the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses." The miraculous, mighty, God doing what only God can do, leading of his people out of the land of Egypt. Our imaginations as we read this cannot conjure up what this was like. Any movie that has attempted to depict it cannot capture it. This was a miraculous delivering by a mighty hand of God to part waters and give a highway of dry ground for his people to walk through. And when God does what only God can do, God's the only one who can get the glory for it. Let's start praying like that. God, will you do what only you can do? When, when we were starting the church, we would come back in our prayer time to Ephesians chapter 3 all the time. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than anything we could ask for or imagine, 
To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. And why we would pray that again and again? Because we're like, God, if we can't even think to ask of it and you do it, only you can get the glory for that. So do the things that we can't even think to ask you for. Let's pray like that. Let's live full of faith, t- faith towards that because when God does what only God can do, he alone gets the glory for it and we give him the worship that he is due. And this is where we close this scene today. The people explode into worship. The sixth of these six faith-growing truths of God's leading. God will lead us in a way where he alone is worshiped. And so look at them on the other side of the sea here, having seen the salvation from the Lord that Moses said they would see, having watched the Lord fight for them and them remaining still, they explode into choruses of worship. And I just want to read the lyrics of this song over us as an expression of worship with them. Uh, uh, Exodus 15. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The flood stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. Let's start every prayer time with just that scripture this week. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Answer? Thank you. Who is like you, majestic in holiness? awesome and glorious deeds, doing wonders. You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are, the, uh, now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone till your people, O Lord, pass by. Till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. And all God's people said, 
So you, you got to picture this, right? I just read, it, it's one thing to read lyrics of a song, but it's another thing to try to imagine the people on the other side of the sea who they just, I mean, they just walked through a sea. We're so used to this story. They're like, yeah, and then God blew, you know, God blew with his wind, puff, 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 puff. He blew just enough, 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 enough. And remember that one? We're so used to this story. They were like, yeah, then they got to the other side, and they're like, hey, praise the Lord, awesome. We can't even fathom. I mean, like, I just all week I'm trying to go, like, the jumping, the leaping, the, 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 the exuberant worship of a delivering God who will lead them. And I say to you, I say this today to do, God will lead his people. He will lead us in a way that brings him glory. He will lead us in a way where his protecting presence goes with us. He will lead us in a way where he fights for us. We need only to be still. And then at times he'll lead us in a way where he'll say, Brock, stand up. Hey, people, stand up forward by faith. But at the end of the day, he's going to lead us in a way where all we can do on the other side of it is stand on the other shore, look back and go, just all I can do is worship. All I can do is worship. Come on, who needs to see God's leading like that? Some of you very specifically right now are longing to stand on the other shore in a place of worship and just say, God, only you could do that. And so in a spirit of worship, there's a song that we've never sang it here before, but there's a song that, man, every week, because I'm just studying Exodus, I just keep coming back to this song. I just, I probably played it, I don't know, a lot every single week, just studying the events of Exodus. And the, the lyrics of this song just capture, for me, this kind of leading of our holy God. And so I, I, I'm just gonna have DJ sing the chorus. I wanna say a few more things after he does, then we're gonna sing the whole song. For the Lord, my Some of us will sing these words like full of faith, like you see it. Lord, you will lead us. There's a renewed sense of that. Some of you, you're singing this um, as a prayer to your own heart. God, help me believe. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. The Lord, my shepherd, leads me. And he is all I need. Do we believe that today? darkest valley. I know. I know he's leading me. I know it. I know he is. And he's all I need. God will lead us. God will lead you. God will lead your family. Some of you are like, man, but I sure need direction on specifics. Will you go home? Will you get on your face? Will you seek him? 
Will you go home? Will you begin to fast? Will you seek him? He will lead. Let's sing this together as a declaration from a place of worship of that truth.